We're in Exodus chapter 12. We'll look at uh, verses 1 through 30. This is the final plague, the final warning, you might say, to Pharaoh and Egypt. And we begin to see that God has set Pharaoh's heart against himself. He now hardens Pharaoh's heart. In the beginning, Pharaoh hardened his heart, but now God has taken his heart and he set his heart against himself where he might show his great power to all of Egypt and to Pharaoh. And as in our scripture reading, we we see that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And that is a beautiful work of the Holy Spirit. But for Pharaoh, there no longer remains the hope of change. And that's what repentance is, to turn and go in the opposite direction. And we find one of the few people in Scripture that God now opposes this man, Pharaoh. There are not many people that God actually comes against in Scripture, but Pharaoh happens to be one of them. Pharaoh, in the beginning, hardened his heart in and of his own free will. And now God will make an example of him and how he opposes him. It's sad to say, but Pharaoh has crossed that line where repentance is no longer an option to him. Forgiveness will not be given to Pharaoh. One, he won't ask for it. And two, God has already set his heart against him. And that's the same thing that happened to Satan. When God kicked Satan out of heaven, there remained no opportunity for Satan or the demons that fell with him to repent. No opportunity to change. And if you attend here in any length of time, you will often hear me say, we are allowed to repent. We're allowed to change our direction. But for Pharaoh, that day has passed. It no longer exists. It also has passed for the people of Egypt. And now, all that awaits them is the final plague upon them. Now, this would just be a sort of a sad story of a country that has forsaken God. But the thing that bothers me about Egypt and God's judgment upon them, Egypt reminds me of America. And I wish it weren't the case. And for me, America is in a post-Christian state. How much longer will God tolerate an unrepentant people that have lived with his blessing generation after generation? I do not know that answer. After the events of 9-11 in New York, there was a dramatic increase in church attendance throughout America. But it was only short-lived. For within a month or two, attendance was back to normal. But, you know, we heard songs that were written about God bless America. And one of the lines in that song by Lee Greenwood is, 
I'm proud to be an American. You want me to sing it for you? No. <laughs> but God Bless America became very popular for politicians to talk about, songwriters to write about, and America happens to be a nation that wants God's blessings, but we resist change. We resist repentance. And through deception, we have come to believe God owes us his blessings. You see, here in Christian America, many people desire the blessings of God, but they want nothing to do with God as creator, blesser, and holds us liable for our behavior. He wants a relationship with us, and we resist that relationship, but we want the blessing. So let's look at Exodus Chapter 12, we'll read the first 28 verses, quite a lengthy reading, so bear with me. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning a month. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And thou shalt take some of the blood and put it in two, on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh of, uh, on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire its head and its leg and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. And on the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No matter, no manner of work shall be done on them, but that 
which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. For you shall observe the feast of the unleavened bread on that same day, and I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generation an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread." Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your family and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel of the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of the house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptian. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. And it will come to pass, it will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, you shall keep his service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you will say, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptian and delivered our household. So the people bowed their heads in worship. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Thus we have Passover being instituted. Many Christians celebrate the day they were born again. I happened to grow up in a denomination where you got saved quite often. So I don't know when <laughs> my anniversary date is. Uh, I told this to one pastor one time, and he says, well, I'm glad one of them took, and I am too. <laughs> and we read how God has given the whole nation of Israel, he's given them a brand new calendar, a new first month, a bib or Nisan, and that is around late March or early April, and it's basically our Easter Season is when the Jewish calendar begins. And Orthodox Jews, they still observe this calendar of Exodus 12. And then we have the lengthy inst installing of Passover in verses 3 through 13. And God gives strict details on how to observe Passover. Every family was to select a lamb, a one-year-old lamb, and that lamb was to have absolutely no blemishes. Kill that lamb on the 14th day of Abib, and the blood of the lamb was to be spread by a hyssop branch on the doorpost, on the lintel of the entryway to every Hebrew home. And when the Lord passed through Egypt on that fateful evening, and when he sees that blood, 
he will pass over that home and spare the firstborn of that home, and thus we have Passover. The lamb slaughtered, it was to be roasted, not boiled, not baked, and it was to be eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. None of the lamb was to be left over until the following morning, and the Hebrews were to eat this meal ready to travel. They were to have their sandals on their feet, staff in hand, ready to leave Egypt. And God instructs Moses, this is to be a perpetual feast to me. Observe this feast every year. And they still do. But Jesus is the Christian's Passover. God the Father looked upon the blood shed by Jesus, crucified, by the way, on the exact day that the Jews killed the lamb for Passover. Jesus suffered death that same day. We as believers, by the faith in the blood of Jesus, over our lives, that is pushing away God's wrath, covering, you might say, God's wrath upon us. Jesus protects us from death. He was our sacrificial lamb. Now, many hardcore Christians, as I call them, refuse to call Easter, Easter. They call it Resurrection Sunday. And I kind of like that, actually. I like it better than the term Easter. But today, in Christian church, we, we've kind of shied away from what Passover is really about, and we have Easter egg hunts. We have them here. <laughs> and uh, we, we celebrate bunnies having a lot of babies. And uh, I saw one tree that had giant chicken eggs hanging from it. And I thought, there we go. <laughs> Plastic ones, that is. And uh, we have different ways of celebrating Easter. But as a Christian, never allow Easter to become so commercialized that you forget it is our Passover. Passover for Christians is the blood of Jesus being shed for the remission of our sins. Let me read you two more verses here, Exodus 12, 29 and 30. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all of the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptian, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Midnight comes. And actually that means the darkest Night, uh, hour of the night and the death angel of the Lord strikes all of the Egyptians from the house of Pharaoh's court from Pharaoh's family including Pharaoh's son who happened to be the next Pharaoh they're killed they're killed by the death angel of the Lord Pharaoh's servants Pharaoh's prisoners in the dungeon 
Even Pharaoh's livestock are suffering death. Not one family in all of Egypt, not one house in all of Egypt, escapes death. So there in the middle of the night, a tremendous cry, a mournful wailing rises up out of Egypt. Pharaoh and his people, they're now broken, they're humbled, and they're humbled greatly. And they no longer have the will, the fortitude to resist God because their lives are completely shattered now. On a personal note, God has spared me the sorrow of one of my children dying. I've never had a child die. I have four. I've never had a grandchild die, and I've got seven. So I thank God that he spared me that sorrow. But if you've ever been close to a family that has lost a child, it is very sad. It is very mournful. And there's always the questions, why? You know, why did this child have to go who was so young and full of life and that kind of thing? But Pharaoh, he has received his answers to the question that he asked Moses when Moses first came before him, uh, directed by God, and that was in Exodus 5.1. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. Pharaoh's reply is noteworthy. He says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? And then he says, no, I will not let Israel go. Well, Pharaoh has just discovered and understands who the living God is. Pharaoh, he's a great example of a man lifted up in pride. Pharaoh at the time, at the time of the Passover here, he was the greatest king on the earth. And he was considered a god by his own people. But Pharaoh, he's not only lifted up in pride, he begins to believe his own press releases that he is God. And when any person, and especially a political leader, people that have people under him, when they begin to declare God-defying statements, God notices. He noticed with Pharaoh. He notices today. And whenever we, the people of God, as believers, begin to declare things like, I would never do this, or I would never say that, I would caution you, be very careful. There was a king uh, in Syria, so you may want to turn to this. I'm going to read from Second Kings chapter 8 here. And... His number one ambassador was a man named Haziel. And Haziel, he was an important man in ben, King Ben-Hadad's court in Syria. Ben-Hadad sends Haziel to Elisha the prophet, and he sends a lot of gifts with 
uh, Haziel to the prophet. Because Ben-Hadad is very sick. He's near death, and he wants to know from the prophet Elisha if he will recover from this disease. So let me read you 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 7 through 15. Then Elisha went to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, was sick. And it was told him, saying, The man of God has come here. And the king said to Haziel, Take a present in your hand, and go and meet the man of God, and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? So Haziel went to meet him, and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus. Note this, 40 camel loads. <laughs> That's a lot of gifts. And he came and stood before him and said, Your son, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? And Elisha said to him, Go say to him, You shall certainly recover. However, the Lord has shown me that he will really die. Then he set his countenance in a stare until Haziel was ashamed, and the man of God wept. And Haziel said, Why is my Lord weeping? And he answered, Because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel, the strongholds you will set on fire, and the young men you will kill with a sword, and you will dash their children and rip open their women with child. So Haziel said, But what is your servant, a dog? that he should do this gross thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you will become king of Syria. And then he departed from Elisha and came to his master and said to him, What did Elisha say to you? And he answered, He told me you would surely recover. But it happened on the next day that he took a thick cloth, dipped it in water, spread it over his face so that he died, and Haziel reigned in his place. What a story. Elisha, he tells Haziel, go tell the king he's going to recover. But in truth, Ben-Hadad will die. And he will be suffocated, that wet cloth and water Haziel holds over the face of Ben-Hadad. And then he says, but you, Haziel, tell him Tell him he's going to recover. And then Elisha, this is kind of uh, graphic here, he stares down Haziel. And he knows what Haziel is about to do. Elisha stares so intently at Haziel that he becomes ashamed. It's like he's looking through him. And then Elisha weeps. Because he knows the wickedness of Haziel. Haziel, you're going to burn the villages of Israel. You will kill the young men with a sword. You will smash the young children to death. You will rip open pregnant women. And Haziel is taken back by this. He becomes indignant towards Elisha. And he says... Am I a dog that I should do this gross thing? To answer that question, yes, you are, Hazel. You are a dog. <laughs> you will do this thing. 
And within two chapters, Hazael is found doing the very deeds that so apparently appalled him. He burns the villages. He kills the children. But here's my point. We all have committed sins that we are ashamed of, every one of us. And I have come to understand that without God protecting me and controlling my environment, controlling my circumstances, I am capable of any and all horrendous sins that are out there. And each of us is. So it's a very wise prayer to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. And we would be wise not to boast of things that we will and will not do. Ask Pharaoh. I will not let him go. And who is God? Pharaoh has discovered after the tenth plague upon himself in Egypt, he has discovered who God is. And yes, Pharaoh, you do not have a choice. You will obey God. And at midnight, Pharaoh, he calls for Aaron and Moses, and he commands them, you and your children Go get out of Egypt. There's no option there. He commands them to leave. But then he says something very peculiar. But before you go, bless me. Wow. Pharaoh is basically asking Moses, go to your God and please allow me to live. That's what he's asking for. He's asking for his very life. He has seen the death that has come to Egypt, his own son suffering death. So what do we take from this? As a believer, as a Christian, enjoy that right standing that we have with God the Father. And that judgment is not forecast for us appreciate his blessings and if you need to repent and change your direction hey do it <laughs> we're allowed to repent repentance is the goodness of God coming to us I do not have to continue in a sinful path I get to turn and change by the goodness of God so I would word, urge anyone, turn away from sin and repent while you have that opportunity. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, I would pray for myself and I pray for these, your people. Lord, keep us sensitive to the work of your Holy Spirit in our life. We don't want to be like Pharaoh and find ourselves opposing you, Lord. We want to be teachable. 
We want to take the opportunities that we have when you convict us of sin to turn from sin, to repent. Repentance is a good thing, Lord. Help us to embrace repentance, to enjoy that right standing with you because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Passover, for being our right standing with God the Father. We appreciate that. And Lord, we just pray that uh, these coming days and weeks that we would just be quick to turn away from evilness. Lord, we would also pray that you would not lead us into temptation. Lord, don't allow us to be overcome with uh, sin or with evilness. Let us keep our eyes and hearts focused on you, Jesus. Thank you again that we can come to you and ask for forgiveness, repent and turn away from our sins, and you restore us. Thank you for that great blessing. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.